0: Hi, I'm Zach, and I'm joined by my colleagues Craig and Pam. For the College Board's Advanced Placement, or AP, U.S. Government and Politics exam, students must know 15 required Supreme Court cases, stretching from the 1803 ruling in Marbury v. Madison to McDonald v. Chicago and Citizens United v. FEC in 2010. However, the exam also requires students to engage in what is called a Free Response Question, or FRQ, that asks them to compare and contrast the information they already know about one of the required cases with a non-required case. The question, which begins with a two-paragraph stimulus that describes the background and holding for the non-required case, asks students to do three things. First, Part A, often asks students to identify a constitutional clause or principle that is relevant to both cases. Second, Part B, often requires students to compare or contrast the two cases. And third, Part C, likely requires students to apply the case's ruling to political action or principle.
1: That sure is a lot of content and prep work. Uh, But luckily for all of you, we have a community of teacher experts willing to lend their expertise and insight to help your students demonstrate their knowledge of landmark Supreme Court cases. In this episode, We'll be joined by former C-SPAN classroom teacher fellow, Ryan Warenka, who will share some of the review resources that he developed this past summer for you to use in your classroom with your students. So whether you're already thinking about getting your students prepped for this spring's AP U.S. government exam or you just want to deepen their understanding of the judicial branch, stick around. We'll be right back.
2: Families have a lot going on. Ryan, can we begin today by uh, sharing with our listeners what you teach at Troy High School?
3: Sure thing. Uh, thanks for uh, for having me today. I really appreciate it. Um, this semester, I'm teaching uh, three AP U.S. government and politics classes and two AP comparative government politics classes. And the next semester, uh, I'll be teaching all day five sections of AP U.S. government. So it is my life. <laughs>
1: Yeah, Ryan, Craig mentioned that you were a part of our Summer Fellowship Program, which, for our listeners who are not familiar with it, is a program that's open to social studies teachers in grades 6 through 12 who are familiar with C-SPAN Television Network's programs, use C-SPAN classroom resources in their classrooms, and would like to collaborate with our team for four weeks in July to develop new free resources for teachers to host on our classroom website. Each fellow receives a $1,000 stipend. Now, can you talk a little bit about your experience as a fellow for those educators who are tuned in and might be interested in applying?
3: Yes, and probably the the best piece of advice that I can give to any person that's interested in applying is apply. It it was such a phenomenal experience uh, working with C-SPAN. I would highly recommend it. Um, It was great that there were uh, four other uh, phenomenal teachers in my cohort, and we got to uh, meet weekly and interact and collaborate uh, with each other um, on our different projects. Um, And so, again, it was just just a phenomenal um, experience from from that end. So I would definitely recommend it. And then um, the the really great thing about it as well um, was that C-SPAN really does give you um, kind of a nudge maybe in a direction to go. So mine, it was AP Government, um, because that's the focus of my teaching but then um, they kind of give you um, you know, okay, so focus on AP government they give you the flexibility and the freedom to start looking at where you want to develop resources and what type of resources you're interested in developing and so I I still have a notebook full of ideas of things that I think, hey, I could do this project or that project, Um, but the biggest focus that I ended up with was review materials and uh, writing free response questions, which I was really happy to uh, I think I have nine of them completed at this point, so um, so that was my
0: focused. I definitely have to echo about about that subtle nudge that the C-SPAN classroom team offers uh, fellows. For instance, when I was a fellow, I focused on state history resources, and um, a lot of those resources have a dual role in that I was teaching South Carolina history, so they were good for my classroom, but they're also useful in other classes across the country for other teachers, whether it's (coughs) teaching U.S. Gov, US history, so on and so forth. And uh, what we've already heard, Ryan, from those resources you developed this last summer, a bunch of positive feedback. So I was wondering, can you talk a little bit about what those free response question resources or FRQ resources are and the significance of using them with your students?
3: Yeah, definitely. So um, for the for those unfamiliar with the AP US government politics exam, there are four different types of free response questions. Uh, there's concept application, which is basically, tell us what this is and how it works. Uh, there's a quantitative analysis, which is you know looking at a, a graph or a chart or a map and then gleaning information from it and using it to answer prompts. There's the Supreme Court cases, uh, or FRQs, which are, again, giving you a um, non-required case and giving you information and you have to relate it to one of the uh, 15 required cases that you are required to study. And then there's a uh, an argument essay, which is uh, a whole different animal, <laughs> but it's, um, it's definitely one that, um, you know, there, there are a number of different prompts. It's writing a, you know, a uh, defensible claim and providing evidence from the documents and things like that. But um, with that, I, this past uh, year in, in um, 2022, um, I actually graded the Supreme Court FRQ for the College Board. And um, was really, again, you know, of a lot of the ones that I graded, kind of surprised at, at how many points students were missing. And, you know, that kind of stuck with me. And so then I looked back at uh, AP Classroom for the resources that the College Board had developed. And there were a whopping eight sample free response questions in AP Classroom. And then maybe a couple that were uh, released from the previous year's exams, and so I looked at it. And then when I was looking through C-SPAN's materials, there are other prompts for other types of essays, but there really weren't any for the the Supreme Court free response uh, question. And so my goal was, I'm going to write as many questions are uh, as many questions as the uh, AP as the College Board has in AP classroom. Um, and so now, actually, with the ninth question, C-SPAN actually has more practice free response questions available than the
2: College Board does. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) So with relation to the cases, how do you determine the cases that you focus on and the FRQs that you developed, and how do you incorporate them into your units of study in your classroom?
3: You know, typically what the College Board will do is they'll give you, you know, there's a certain list of of clauses that I think are really important. Like students will need to know, you know, the Commerce Clause or the the Supremacy Clause or the Equal Protection Clause. And then there's other civil liberties that are represented. So what I did is sort of reverse engineer it. I looked at, okay, these are the 15 cases that we need to know and kind of what's the main crux of what the college board would ask you about for each question and then once i had that down i started looking at okay well what are interesting cases that are not required that students would have to to read and interpret and understand but then see how it's similar to those other cases so um i chose to write uh, about a variety of different ones i i know um you know uh truth be told one of my favorite Supreme Court cases. I know this is very nerdy. Um, one of my favorite Supreme Court cases is McCulloch v. Maryland, which there was no practice-free response question on, so I said I got to write that wrong, uh, and I, I wrote one about that, and then some other like non-required cases that I really enjoy that are our favorites. Uh, Loving versus Virginia is near and dear to my heart. So, so in some instances, I did pick um, cases that were, were either fairly recent, uh, like Mono Area School District versus Bl, or the Masterpiece Cake Shop uh, case. Case. And And, you know, so I, I did have those in mind as these would be interesting cases that the kids will enjoy. But then being able to relate to some of the, the important clauses.
1: Okay, so speaking of cases that are near and dear to your heart, Ryan, let's dive into some of the resources you created and take a look at an example of two. And um, the first one that we'll focus on is the landmark Supreme Court case Loving the Virginia. So we'll play a portion of a clip that you include in this FRQ resource that you created that features the Washington Post Patricia Sullivan talking about it. Mildred was um, a black woman in rural Virginia um, who fell in love with a white man in the 1950s. Uh, they were childhood sweethearts, grew up together, and uh, eventually she became pregnant. They got married. Uh, this was a problem because in those days, um, uh, Virginia did not allow uh, blacks and whites to marry. To um, make a long story short, she uh, and her husband uh, eventually sued uh, the state of Virginia, which resulted in a Supreme Court case which overturned um, prohibitions against biracial marriages in the United States.
0: So in the clip, we heard about Mildred Loving and the impetus of the Loving Supreme Court case, which ultimately overturned prohibitions against biracial marriages. Um, With that said, Ryan, why did you pair Loving with the Brown v. Board of Education case for an FRQ?
3: Well, ultimately, Loving and Brown are both cases about equal protection. And so, again, looking at what kinds of, of clauses and what amendments uh, the students need to know, the College Board tends to really like the 14th Amendment, um, as do I. Uh, you know, I think the 14th Amendment is really important for them to know, and especially the Equal Protection Clause. And so, um, you know, I thought that was a really kind of a, a, a of the sample cases, uh, simple questions, rather, excuse me, that I wrote, um, one that I thought they would find interesting um, loving is really great for federalism as well. I think there's a lot of relevance to it, and there's relevance to it uh, in the news recently with the Respect for Marriage Act that was passed um, and links to um, Obergefell v. Hodges. So there's a lot of different things where, again, I could see the students being interested in loving. Um, And then again, where they may have a background or knowledge of Brown, they can see how the Equal Protection Clause could be applied in a lot of different scenarios, whether it's about desegregating schools or about being able to marry the person that you love. So, um, and truth be told, I'm in an interracial marriage, so that's part of the reason why loving is is near and dear to my heart. Um, but I thought, again, the kids would really be, um, kids would all across the country would find that to be an interesting case. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey... Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now.
2: Hmm. So for listeners who are just hearing about these resources that you've developed, you've set up your FRQs with uh, three questions that students are to consider when they're comparing the cases, and you've listed each document uh, with parts A, B, and C and I have the questions in front of me in case you need them, but can you walk us through what it is exactly that you're looking for in the students' responses when comparing the Loving case with Brown v. Board? You know, with writing these
3: questions, one of the things that I thought was really important was also to include a rubric. And again, I tried to create the rubric uh, very much like how the the College Board would do this. So again, I modeled them very much after the, um, the rubrics that I had when I was grading those. And so again, with the um, the prompts that you would look at for these, typically the, the first prompt is, again, looking at, well, what's kind of the the, the clause or the, the the main idea about this? Um, so, again, what I would hope for the loving one is, loving question is that, um, you know, students would know, okay, I, I've got to know, you know, equal protection uh, of the law. And so on the rubric, it would basically spell out if you've put, um, you know, that you're going to get the point. Um, and then when we start getting into some of the other uh, prompts, the, the the B prompt is really worth um, two points. And so, again, that's demonstrating uh, specifics about each individual case. And so you would have to know, you know, here are the, you know, demonstrable things that you would have to have uh, in order to get the point. And then um, for the third one, that's one, again, where I modeled it based off of all of the sample prompts that the College Board has given us, um, which is, you know, knowing you know if you were from an interest group, um how would you you know handle this or if if you were to have an amicus brief, or if you were to have um you know be a member of Congress, how could you respond to this? so there's a lot of different threads on all of the different frqs um in this one again, it was of uh, the the loving one it was about uh, how Supreme Court justices might um, interpret the Constitution, so in that instance um you know again looking at you know, where they could have disagreements on how they would interpret the Constitution, how they would interpret um, differences with race and ethnicity. And so again, it, it would be a you know, demonstration of understanding, you know, the, the, how the Supreme Court could, could change uh, decisions on voting rights or on university admissions, but, but basically race-based uh, decision making.
1: Yeah, and so looking at the structure of the resources and through your teacher lens, uh, can you talk about the effectiveness? of this review, review tool that you developed, and in thinking about new teachers who are listening to this or teachers who might be new to these, um, any tips on how they'd be able to incorporate this FRQ or introduce it to their students?
3: Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, the more... My philosophy has always been with the the AP US Gov exam. Um, half of the students' score is their writing, and so I've tried to put over the last fifteen or sixteen years um, a lot of different sample prompts. Some of them are, are ones that the College Board's released, and some of them are, are ones that I write. And I just want them to start to understand. Here is the level of thinking that you have to hit, um, and then also understanding some of the basic rules for writing free response questions. Um, you know, I've, I've learned little like tips and tricks through through AP conferences like one of them is you know I read up on the board remember APBS which they kind of chuckle at because they think it means something different but it means answer the prompt and be specific so they want to know specific elements uh, to the answers for the questions and then another one is RSVP which is restate the language of the question in your answer and vanish the pronouns. Don't just say you know they could do this or it does that. The, the college Board readers need to know who are you talking about? what are you talking about? So the more sample questions you can give students, the better and I get it there's a lot of times that you'd say i don't have the time to to you know, grade I've got one hundred and fifty students coming up next semester i don't have time to sit and grade multiple you know, FRQs with one hundred and fifty students. Uh, so sometimes I give them in, in groups or sometimes I might give them a portion of one of the of the answers instead of all you know, all three prompts. But just the more opportunity, and we'll do them in in large groups too, uh, but the more opportunities you can do to to give them, uh, to see these questions and to see how to write them, I've seen a translation in, in, you know, better scores for my students just from having those practice opportunities.
0: It's definitely critical too. you know, as you're developing these FRQs, to allow for that flexibility for, for teachers, however they, they choose to employ these resources. So definite kudos to you in, in being creative on, on how to address these cases. And, but shifting gears a little bit, changing cases from one that's near and dear to your heart to another one, uh, you mentioned as we were preparing for this episode that you were working on the Cooper v. Aaron case with your students this week. Um, for our listeners, can you just give us a general gist and overview of the major tenets of that case?
3: Yeah, so Cooper versus Aaron. I think uh, you know a lot of American history classes um, will be teaching the crisis at Central High School in Little uh, in Little Rock, Arkansas. And um, again, when we're talking about Brown v. Board of Education, um, you know, and, and there's Brown two which talks about desegregating with all deliberate speed. There was the the court order in Little Rock to desegregate um, Central High School. And so basically, you know, the the governor of Arkansas didn't want to do it. President Eisenhower mobilized the uh, 101st Airborne to escort students to school, the nine black students that have been admitted to Central High School. Um, And basically at the end of the school year, um, the 101st Airborne was, was redeployed, and the governor... Uh, of Arkansas went back to the the courts and said, "Hey, this last year was just crazy, and it was super disruptive, and and you know the the federal government's not here anymore to to escort these students. Can we effectively resegregate um, our schools and then go back to their initial plan, which was uh, they wanted to do this in a couple of years, couple couple of further years down the line, to then." Uh, desegregate. And, um, and the federal courts basically said no. Um, and, and so, you know, the, the state of Arkansas doesn't have the ability to resegregate schools. Federal law takes precedence. So, um, you know, giving students some of those examples of here's where Brown went, right? To a case like Cooper v. Aaron, I think is interesting. But then it gets into, you know, another really important clause that students need to know, which is the supremacy clause. So when there is that disagreement between the federal government and the states, you know, if there's a compelling national interest, which Brown v. Board of Education was, the federal government wins. So it was uh, it was interesting to do that, but then to tie it into you know McCulloch v. Maryland, which again is another favorite of mine, and it's there's never been a, an FRQ on that one yet, but um, on that case. But again, where where McCulloch v. Maryland was very much about the constitutionality of the bank um, and the supremacy of the federal government over the state of Maryland, I thought it was kind of a, an easy tie-in between those two.
2: Excellent. So before we go any further, we wanted to quickly set up the significance of that case, McCullough v. Maryland. And uh, to do so, we have a clip from law professor Mark Killenbeck of the University of Arkansas. And here he's detailing why the decision in McCullough uh, was significant in solidifying the federal government's ability to take actions not explicitly mentioned in the Constitution and the significance of uh, of that decision in restricting state actions against what is deemed the legitimate use of federal power. Let's listen. Well, it's it's
0: a core piece of the uh, current constitutional landscape. We we talked about that earlier in terms of the deference to congressional judgments about what is wise policy. Uh, certainly, the the notion that the states may not impair the operation of the federal government uh, uh, by taxation or anything else is very important. Uh, it, it, it's just a central part of the assumption that we have a com- what we call a compound republic within in certain areas when it exercises its power properly. The uh, Supreme Court uh, has told us that the federal government is supreme.
1: Okay, so, uh, Ryan, when you assign this FRQ review to your students later this week, uh, two things come to mind. What will you be looking for in their responses? And we were wondering, how have your students been receptive to the FRQ practices? Are they finding them helpful? Um, Can you speak to that a little bit?
3: Yeah, definitely. When, um, and I've started assigning, you know, we're, we're near the end of our semester here, but one of the things that I look to through all the different types of FRQs that I assign um, are they making progress with their writing? Are they understanding those rules? Are they able to make those connections? Uh, do they understand you know, how many points each question is worth? And um, I've just seen tremendous growth from my students, and it's really neat to just hand them back that paper, and then when they see those additional plus marks, maybe on that, that first um, FRQ that I give them, they get maybe one or zero uh, plus marks indicating that they got the point. And now at this point in the semester, they've really kind of gotten it down. And a lot of them are in a really good writing rhythm and they, they are, are understanding kind of the depth of the um, specificity that they have to hit on these cases. And so, you know, yeah, you would expect that, okay, Hey, today we're going to do a practice, you know, free response question that there would be groaning and eye rolls and, you know, things. but they actually, I think legitimately look forward to it. So, um, and, and I think, again, they know that, these are going to help them, and, and that's really all that my students are interested in. If they, if they understand it, if it's going to help me uh, to be better prepared, they're, they're all for it.
0: When well, speaking about um, preparing students, we currently have what you mentioned, the eight FRQ practices from College Board, influence with C-SPAN clips, and then the additional one that you developed uh, in the last few weeks leads me to this next question. Um, are there any other FRQ practices that are in the hopper that um, you are planning on working on for us to feature on our <laughs> featured resources page?
3: There definitely are. Um, with uh, with our, our break coming up here um, after this Friday, so I'll be on break for the next two weeks. Um, yeah, there definitely are. I've, I've uh, thought about some for um uh, maybe Baker versus like a gerrymandering one, uh, Baker versus Carr. there's a, there's a few other things that I'll look to uh, of the uh, mandatory Supreme Court cases and see which ones um, are there, you know, maybe not questions for either on C-span or on um, on C-Span or on the college board. and I will try to, to fill those gaps. So yeah, I'd love to get um, a couple more done, probably two or three more done still this school year prior to the AP exam.
2: Wow. Yeah. And Ryan, as we start to wrap up this week's episode, we wanted to give you a final word. So are there any other related resources that you found useful with your students that you'd like to share with our listeners? Yeah, definitely from from
3: the um, span classroom, if I can toot the uh, the horn of C-SPAN classroom, <laughs> there are definitely a lot of uh, really great bell ringers um, that are there. I know I've used those in my AP US Gov class and in my AP Comparative Gov class. I know um, that's been uh, a really nice find to be able to use some of the, the comparative Gov things because again, there's not a ton of resources, uh, you know, from even the College Board on that. So uh, being able to use those has been really helpful, but. Um, those have been really helpful. Um, the, the lesson plans always give really good ideas. Um, and then again, there's just some other things in, in each of the, um, you know, on the AP Government uh, page on C SPAN Classroom there are a lot of really beneficial uh, lesson ideas. Uh, the classroom deliberations are a really great resource as well, um, which again, I think is, is something that's an underutilized resource. And, and one that I uh, you know, had told myself at the beginning of the year I really want to use those more, um, but th- that's something that, that unfortunately hasn't happened this semester. But um, I actually have had my, my classes working um, pretty extensively on their um, student camp projects. And uh, again, that, that would be another thing I would recommend looking to for for other teachers, the C-SPAN student cam documentary competition is um, a really great opportunity for students to to really put together basically an essay, but in in video form. And I've actually found a lot of really great links between the student cam rubric of what the students have to produce with the argument essay that they have to write for the AP U.S. Gov exam. So that was kind of one of the easy selling points to my students, like, I know this sounds crazy. This is going to help you to also be a better writer for that, for that question. Um, and we're going to be re, you know, introducing all of those elements coming up um, after, after we come back from our, our holiday break. Um, but again, having worked on the, the student camp project for the past several weeks, I think they'll be really in a, a good space to do well on those.
2: Ryan, that's terrific, mate. And yeah, we really want to thank you again for being such a wonderful member of our classroom community, and uh, we appreciate your time today.
3: Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me.
2: From
0: analyzing the prompt to planning a response and from writing the explanation to proofreading for accuracy, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears often goes into preparing for and completing the AP U.S. government exam, both for the teacher and for the student. But we hope that the resources we shared in this episode will prove fruitful to you in your class this spring and beyond. Make sure to stand the lookout for our upcoming AP U.S. Government and Politics Cram for the Exam review show, which typically airs the Saturday before the test.
2: And you'll find all the resources that we highlighted in this episode and more on our featured resources page at www.cspan.org/classroom. And if you would ever like to connect with our team to learn more about what we have to offer to teachers and students, please email us anytime at educate at c-span.org.
1: And that's it for this week. Please remember to like and follow our podcast wherever you listen so you don't miss our next episode. Until then, thanks for joining us.